Now, last Sunday, we began a message in our series in James called The Way of Wisdom. And you may remember that James asked three questions. What is wisdom? How can you tell a fool? And how can you tell wise people? Now, to this first question, you remember that James tells us wisdom is how you behave And wisdom is how you relate to others. A man in the Old Testament who had this kind of wisdom was Daniel the prophet. As you read through the book of Daniel, you find Daniel showing incredible wisdom in very, very difficult circumstances. In fact, even his enemies, the Babylonians, acknowledged Daniel's superior wisdom along with his three friends. Uh, Let's read this concession of the Babylonians as to what they saw in this young man and in his three friends. Let's read Daniel 1.20 together. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and chanters in his whole kingdom. Would you not like to have that kind of wisdom? What an incredible thing. Uh, A pastor who observed this wisdom of Daniel, by the name of Sinclair Ferguson, describes wisdom just very, very exactly. Here's what he said as he reflected on Daniel. Spiritual wisdom is a highly developed sense of God's ways. Learn through obedience to God's Word. It is a sensitive awareness of the kind of behavior that is appropriate to the child of God in different circumstances. That's what Daniel had. He had a sensitive awareness of the kind of behavior that is appropriate to the child of God in different circumstances. This is true wisdom, and this is how you can tell a wise person. Now, what does this look like in its specifics? Well, perhaps as well as anywhere, James fleshes that out for us. As we come back to this message this morning, and we look at the final question, how can you tell wise people James gives to us three very clear and very helpful answers. And I want you to take your Bibles and let's open again to James chapter 3. And now let's come to this final question that is answered for us in verses 17 and 18. You please follow along as I read these two very powerful verses for our lives today. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's bow together for a moment. Lord God, 
Teach us your wisdom. Help us to have the wisdom that knows how it is appropriate for a child of God to behave in various circumstances. Lord, as we come today, we also come with hearts of confession, acknowledging to you that times in the past we have harmed relationships, we have hurt the goodness and the wholeness that you want to bring to the lives of others through the foolish actions of our lives. And we confess to you, Lord, that when it comes to relating to others, we often are more adept at the wisdom of the world than we are the wisdom of God. And we pray today that you would teach us so that we might have a heart of wisdom, that we might experience in all that come to know us the kind of righteousness and peace that brings the wholeness God desires. Lead us today, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. As James answers this final question, I want you to notice that his first answer as to how you can tell wise people is by where they get their wisdom from. Did you notice the contrast in verse 17? James says, but the wisdom that is from above. Now that little adverb there, from above, refers to things which come from heaven or come from God. Do you know this is the very same expression that Jesus used for born again? When Jesus said, you must be born again, it could as well be translated, you must be born from above. It's the very same expression here in verse 17. So notice what God is saying to us. The only way to truly be wise is to be changed by God himself through the new birth. It's interesting, back in verse 13, when he uses the words wise and understanding, those words were often paired together in the Old Testament, and they described a person who lives according to the insight given from God. So this wisdom is ultimately spiritual discernment. It is the practical ability to discern how God would have us live. And in order to do that, God must change our hearts. He must implant His life in our soul, which He does through the new birth. And then and only then can He teach us. Uh, One of my favorite theologians one time said this, All the education in the world won't do you any good if you don't know God. What a great statement. By the way, do you know who that theologian is? That's Ellen Oberg. She's the one who said that. And when she said that, all the education in the world doesn't mean anything if you don't know God. I thought to myself, that's good. I'm going to write that down. 
And wisdom comes from the salvation and the new birth that Jesus Christ implants in the hearts of all who come and trust Him for His salvation. It is the wisdom from above. Now notice the second answer. Second answer to the question, how do we tell wise people, is by how they live their wisdom. Now you will notice, as we read verse 17, that there are seven descriptions that have to do with group life. So, right off the bat, we can see that wisdom is how we live with others. Uh, A pastor that I read said this, Every day of your life, whether you like it or not, you encounter people. And people are notorious for being hard to get along with. You don't need a pastor to tell you that. He said, that's why we must learn how to relate wisely to others. So what James does is he shares with us seven characteristics of wisdom in relating to others. Now what is interesting, after the first one, the following six are all alliterated in the original language. That is, they rhyme. Now you know what James is then telling us? He is saying this is so important. We need to have this drilled down into our hearts and minds so deeply that he doesn't want us to forget. And so he rhymes the words that they might stick more permanently in our minds and in our hearts. I read a sermon by a pastor on this passage who, for English readers, for our benefit, put them in a rhyming order. And after I read his, I thought, all right, I can't do any better. I can't do any better. And so here is Patrick Allen's characteristics of how you can tell people who are wise in their relationships with others, and they are all of them in a rhyming way. Let's look at them, all right? Here's the first one. Wise people don't compromise their integrity. Did you notice that James says, the wisdom that is from above is first pure. That word pure means unmixed. It is talking about being pure in devotion to God with unmixed motives and loyalty. We get our word holy from this word for pure, and the word holy means uncorrupted, it means undefiled. It is used of the character of Jesus. The Bible says about Jesus that He is pure. So that this word is referring to somebody who is cleansed by Christ and now is living to please Christ. It is a person who from their innermost being, their heart, is committed to that which is right to that which is good, honorable, and godly. A believer with integrity has a heart that is committed first and foremost to God, and that is where wisdom begins. You will notice here, he says, first of all, it is pure. That little word first is very important. It means this is the main characteristic of the wisdom from above. 
It is key to all the other qualities of wisdom. We could call it the overarching attribute. All the others that are going to follow flow out of this one. Think about this for just a moment. Integrity is so important because it enables others to trust us and enables others to believe us. All relationships are built on trust. Therefore, if we are people of integrity in our walk with God, other people know they can trust us, and they know they can believe in us. I read about a store owner. Whenever he would hire a new employee, he would say, I have three rules for my employees. Number one, he would say, be on time. Number two, he would say, work a full eight hours. And number three, he would say, your first lie is your last lie. Now, what was he saying to those employees? He was saying, if you lie, I cannot trust you. If I cannot trust you, I can have no confidence in you. And if I have no confidence in you, you cannot work me. And James understands that our integrity before God that is the key to the quality of our heart is absolutely essential because all relationships are built on trust and believability. And so wise people are very, very concerned. They do not want to compromise their integrity. Let's look at the second one. Secondly, wise people don't antagonize your anger. The second quality in this wise living is that it is peaceable. It is peaceable. Now that's a very interesting word. It means peace-loving. It refers to a person who is disposed to peace or ready for peace. Do you know what the word pacify means? It means to calm anger. That's the idea here in this word peaceable. It is a person who values harmony and goodwill amongst others. And because they do, this is a person who usually refrains from upsetting and disturbing other people. They are an individual who wants to pacify and calm anger. Now, somebody might immediately say, well, Pastor Brian, then, are you talking about peace at any price? And the answer to that would be no. If we can't tell people when we are upset, we are not keeping the peace, are we? We're being afraid. And clearly, that's not what's involved here. Do you know, in my relationship with my wife, there are times that I have to say things to her that I know are going to upset her. She may be a great theologian, but she's not always right, okay? And so I know that if something is true, and if it is right, as her husband, I have the duty to tell her that. By the way, works the other way as well, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So let me drop a little thought in here. 
Sometimes we uh, don't grow in the way that we ought to grow because we either don't want to hear the truth from our spouse or we are afraid to tell the truth to our spouse. And thus, because we want peace at any price, we keep from growing to the place that God intended us to grow. And so this is not a peace at any, at any price. But you know what else? There are times in my relationship with my wife that I will say to myself, you know what? What I'm about to say is going to upset her. And sometimes, I don't do this all the time, I wish I did it more, I will think to myself, is this really necessary? And I will conclude, you know what? It is not necessary. And so in those times when I am wise, and I have to confess, there are lots of times I'm not. I don't say it. See, what James is saying to us is this. Wise people know when not to make other people angry. Wise people have a peaceful spirit. One of the best pieces of advice that I ever got came from one of my dear professors who was like a spiritual father to me. One day he said, when you become a pastor, he said, do not go to the wall over every little thing. He said, if you do, you're going to alienate the people in your church. Then he said, there's going to come a day when there's some big issue that arises, and you're going to have to go to the wall, and when you go to the wall, they're not going to be with you because you alienate them over all kinds of little bitty unimportant things. That was a wise thing that he said to us that day. And that's what peaceable means. Notice thirdly. Thirdly, wise people don't minimize your feelings. Wise people don't minimize your feelings. You'll notice the next word in this list is the word gentle or considerate. Now it's interesting, in the Bible this word is put alongside meekness. And in another passage, 1 Timothy 3.3, it is put alongside not quarrelsome. This is the kind of attitude that is tolerant and accepting of people's different ways. It is not being easily annoyed or aroused at what other people say and other people do. What it means is we are gentle towards others when they are not gentle towards us. Now we can see why this takes the great work of Christ in our life. Because it is very, very hard when someone is not gentle towards us, for us to be gentle in response towards them in our attitude. You see, anybody can be gentle when others are gentle to them. If I were to come to you today and say something like this, Oh, it's so nice to see you today. I really appreciate you. You would be very responsive to being gentle to me. But then can you imagine if if you make a, a little mistake and I jump all over you, then to be gentle to me in response, that is difficult. That's what this word means. 
When under attack, the wise person is still thoughtful of the other person and therefore does not get even or lash back even though they may have to take some strong measures and some strong actions. Did you notice that next to this one, I I put a passage of Scripture? I did this because I want you to notice that this was the character of Jesus Himself. Turn back for just a moment to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want you to notice with me a very interesting insight as the Apostle Paul gives to us the character of our Savior Himself. This is a verse that should lead to much meditation in our own lives. Look at what he says about Jesus in 2 Corinthians 10.1. I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Now look at that. The essence of meekness, which is the critical thing here in wisdom, is to be a gentle person. Keeping control when others are not keeping control. And this was the very character of Jesus. His meekness was demonstrated by the fact that he was always in control when others around him were not in control. And notice what Paul says. Paul says about himself, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. Paul is saying to these Corinthians, I had to write you some very difficult and hard things to correct you. But when I was with you face to face, I was a man who was gentle and thoughtful, even when I was under attack. You see, this can only come from Jesus living within us. Look at the fourth characteristic. Number four. Wise people don't criticize your suggestions. The next characteristic is it is open to reason. That is a phrase that means willing to listen. It has the idea of flexible or open-minded. It is the opposite of a person who is stubborn, rigid, my mind is made up, or don't confuse me with the facts. Do you know our greatest president had this down very, very well? President Lincoln was a man who very, very much sought to learn from others. In fact, you may know that he put some of his harshest critics in his presidential cabinet because he knew that he could learn from them. And he was a man, as great a leader as he was, who understood the value of being open-minded, teachable, and learning from others around him, even his critics. Uh, One day, he wanted to please a certain politician. And so he issued an order that uh, was supposed to lead to the transfer of a certain number of troops. When the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, heard of the order, he refused to carry it out. And you know what he said? 
He said the president is a fool. When Lincoln heard it, his response was even more incredible. He said, if Stanton said, I'm a fool, then I must be, because he is almost always right. He said, I'm going to go to see for myself. He went and talked with Stanton as to why he disagreed with the order, and he realized it was a serious mistake. Without hesitation, he withdrew the order. You know what someone said, reflecting upon that? A teachable, open spirit is often a major key in diffusing conflict. Do I have that kind of spirit? Do you? Let me ask you, can my spouse criticize me without me getting all upset? Because I'm so insecure. Can my children point out an inconsistency in my life that I need to see to be a better man? And here in this church, can people correct me without me getting all defensive and and sulking over a period of days over how dare they criticize me? You see, wisdom does not criticize the suggestions of others when those suggestions are helpful. Notice the fifth one. Wise people don't dramatize your failures. Did you notice the next quality? This wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits. Now, this word mercy is a very interesting word. It means mercy for people in trouble even when they've caused the trouble themselves. I don't know about you, I have a hard time sometimes being merciful when someone deserves what they're getting, right? In fact, how easy it is for us to say, well, it's his own fault. He brought that on himself. I have mercy for those who are not guilty, but for the guilty, I have no compassion. But Christian compassion and mercy is compassion for those in trouble, even if they have brought the trouble on themselves. Did you notice what it leads to? This kind of mercy leads to good fruits. What that's saying is it reaches out to the one who is down, and it tries to help that person back up. Many years ago, I saw this in an extraordinary way in the life of President Bush number two. You know what they said about President Bush? They said, even if you disagreed with his policies, to know him was to like him. What an interesting thing about your political enemies to say about you. To know you is to like you. What a great thing to be said about someone. Uh, I saw this particular incident, he was at a press conference. And just before this press conference, the news had come out that uh, Jesse Jackson had uh, had uh, a child out of wedlock with a a mistress and had kept uh, that whole situation quiet. Quiet from his wife, quiet from his family, quiet from his supporters. Now Jackson was one of 
Bush's harshest critics. And so here was an opportunity to even the score. Here was the opportunity to knock down an opponent, uh, you know, a peg or two. And so he's in this press conference, and this news has just come out from one of his harshest critics, and one of the reporters at the conference asked President Bush, what do you think about what we've just learned about Jesse Jackson? Here's what President Bush said. Here's what I want to say about that. My heart goes out to him and his family. I wish him the best. By the way, do you think the reporters were satisfied with that? They asked him again to try to draw him in to some criticism. You know what he said? He said, I wish him God's grace. That's what mercy is. It is extending to others the same compassion that you would want extended to you when, if you were in their shoes. And while there may be difficult decisions that have to be made in relationship to the wrong that has been done, it is while making those decisions still holding out a compassionate hand to help that person up. Notice number six. Wise people don't jeopardize their convictions. The next word in the list is impartial. And this is a word that means unwavering. It means undivided. Such a person is steady. They don't vacillate. They don't change positions based upon who they are with or what their friends might be thinking. I always remember the politician who was asked uh, his opinion on a certain political issue. And this politician responded, well, some of my friends are for it, and some of my friends are against it. And the person said, well, what do you think? And he responded, well, I always agree with my friends. It's laughable, but isn't it sad how many of our politicians have their finger in the air? Seeing which way the wind is blowing, and then going that way, pandering for votes. We can be that way. So wanting to please friends that we are quiet when we ought to speak up. Going along when we ought to be the one who plants our feet and says we can't do this. You see, wise people have backbone when that backbone is needed. Notice finally, number seven. By the way, isn't James a great teacher? Not only does he rhyme these for us, but he gives us seven which you know is the perfect number, the number of completeness. 
And he says, wise people don't disguise their hearts. The last word in the list is sincere. This is the word we get our word hypocrisy from. And the hypocrite in the first century was the actor who wore a mask to disguise themselves and to hide their identity. What this is telling us then is that wise people are honest. They are open. They do not hide. When they are wrong, they admit they are wrong to those who are deserving to know that wrong has been done. When they believe something needs to be said because it's so important, they say it. And they do not manipulate or scheme or cover over in order to get what they want. Many years ago I heard this statement, and and it's molded around in my mind for a long time. It said this, that people will forgive almost anything but a lie. And think about that for a moment. I know a pastor who had a wonderful ministry down in lower Michigan. God was really blessing. But he had a a character flaw in that he was a very controlling man. He had a great deal of pride in his own wisdom, in his own understanding. And so he was very, very controlling. And we have to be very careful for that because when we are that way, other things can start to creep into our life. And you know what began to happen? In order to control the things that were going on in his church, he would tell one elder one story, and then he would tell another elder a different story. And after a period of time, these elders began to confer with one another, and they began to realize, and it shook them, Our pastor is lying to us. Our pastor is not telling us the truth. And when they confronted him, and he confessed the lies that he had been telling because of the things that he wanted to control, his ministry in that church was over. His credibility was was so damaged that though the church loved him and they forgave him, he could no longer minister in that church as a pastor. And it was an example of this statement that I've heard, people will forgive almost anything except a lie. Now, gratefully, in God's kindness and mercy, that pastor was restored to ministry. In fact, just a few weeks ago, some people from his former church were visiting, and I said to them, how's he doing? They said, well, he's pastoring a church out west now. And God has wonderfully worked in his life and restored him. But in the church where he failed to be sincere, he lost his ministry. You see, wise people do not disguise their hearts. Well, now, when we live out this kind of wisdom, and you can see, this only can come from Christ living with inside. And it can only come from us walking with Him and, and paying attention to those ancient words that we were singing about. What will this lead to? 
Well, notice the third answer that James gives us. The third answer as to how we can tell wise people is by what they harvest from their wisdom. And notice how he concludes in verse 18. When we live and operate this way with one another, this is what will happen. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Would you notice two things? Number one, we will live righteously. That is a life that is pleasing to God. And number two, we will live a life of peace. That is conduct that brings people together rather than drives them apart. And so look at the things that we want. We want to please God. We want to live a life that is righteous. And we want to bring people together rather than driving them apart. Those are the two things, those are the harvest that will come from this kind of wisdom. You know, sometimes it's helpful as you're studying a passage of Scripture to look at a summary. Sometimes a summary will bring things together in a way that it just all sort of uh, clicks and and you just see it all in, in one little summary. One of my favorite pastors is, is Warren Wiersbe, and, and I love this little summary. I think it puts it all together. Why don't we read it together this morning? This is what Daniel had. This is this meek way of living that Daniel and Babylon had so that all the Babylonians said, he's ten times wiser than all of us. Let's read that summary together. Would you join me? The Christian life is a life of sowing and reaping. For that matter, every life is a life of sowing and reaping. And we reap just what we sow. The Christian who obeys God's wisdom sows righteousness, not sin. He sows peace, not war. The life we live enables the Lord to bring righteousness and peace into the lives of others. What a wonderful way God is offering. Let's express our desire, shall we? To live this way and to allow these words of James to ring in our hearts as we live for our Jesus. Let's express it together, shall we? We don't compromise our integrity. We don't antagonize your anger. We don't minimize your feelings. We don't criticize your suggestions. We don't dramatize your failures. We don't jeopardize our convictions. And we don't disguise our hearts. Let's pray to our Savior.